Be Christ's Church. Impact the valley. Reach the world. All for the glory of King Jesus. Welcome to the North Roanoke Podcast. Today our student pastor, Ethan Smith, will be opening God's word for us. Our prayer is that you will encounter the living Lord as you hear his word proclaimed. Good morning. If you have your Bibles, then go ahead and grab them. We will be in the book of Ephesians this morning. Ephesians chapter 3. And we'll look at verses 14 through 21 in our time together. Again, Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21. I'll confess that one of the the most difficult aspects, at least for me when it comes to, to preaching at North Roanoke, is really trying to figure out what in the world I'm going to preach I try to seek the Lord, hey, what would be most beneficial, what would be most helpful for the church at this particular time on, on that particular Sunday? So if Pastor Daniel's going through the book of Acts, working verse by verse through that book, would it be helpful to kind of change pace a little bit and do a more topical, more theological sermon, except this Sunday we're just finishing up the Treasure Jesus initiative. We, we spent the last four weeks being shown from the Bible that we are to treasure Jesus with every aspect of our lives, and that includes our money. Nothing is to be exempt from our life from the Lordship of Christ. And I'll, I'll say it was, it was a helpful four weeks it was a hard four weeks. It was hard to hear. I can't imagine Pastor Daniel having to preach it, have to prepare it. But it was a necessary series because we are very prone, very prone to letting other things and letting other stuff take the place that is reserved for Christ, whether that be uh, our job, our money, especially ourselves, our security, our comforts, we have a bad tendency of, of putting whatever that thing is in the place that Jesus is supposed to go. And so for today, having finished up that, that series, I thought it would be beneficial to remind us of the glory and the love of Jesus that, that we are to experience in our lives. Because the whole point of the Treasure Jesus initiative was actually for us to treasure Jesus. Like, you, you understand that, right? Pastor Daniel was very clear. The, the giving, the money was very secondary for the, for the budget, for the building. It was very secondary to, to having our hearts treasure Jesus. And the greatest encouragement, I think, to live in this way, greatest encouragement for us to actually treasure Jesus is not our love for Jesus, but rather his love for us. So we come to Ephesians chapter 3, 14 through 21. We've come to the, the halfway point of the book of Ephesians. 
Ephesians is six chapters long. And the Apostle Paul has just finished describing this, this amazing, glorious salvation that's taken place. All right, from chapter one, from start to finish, from beginning to end, salvation is of the Lord. And that it's not based on our own works. We are saved by grace through faith. And it's not just reserved for the Jews. It's for Jews and Gentiles alike. They are brought together through the gospel. Everything centers on Jesus. And then at the, the end of the first half, if you will, right before he, he kind of pivots, chapters 4 through 6 are kind of the, the response of how should we then live based upon who Jesus is, who we are in Jesus, how should this actually look in our lives? But before he makes that pivot, he prays for the Ephesians. And what we see in this prayer is what we're going to see in this prayer is he, that you can see that he deeply cares about these people. Like he genuinely, deeply loves these people that he is writing to. But what we're going to see is he, he prays in a way that I think for a lot of us, we don't often pray. His main desire for these believers is for them to know and experience Christ in a deeper way. That's his main goal. That's what he prays for. That is what he longs for. His concern is not primarily physical. And I think for a lot of us, that, that, that tends to be what we pray for, protection, for healing. Those are all good things. But, but Paul's concern is spiritual. And I think it provides a, a helpful and, and necessary reminder of how we should be praying for one another. And also, when we, when we think of our own lives, how we're going to grow as a Christian, our goals need to be intimacy with Jesus. So if we're going to grow, if we're going to continue to seek the face of the Lord, then the goal can't be to do stuff. But it's actually to know Jesus in a deeper way. So if we're going to treasure Jesus rightly, we need to pray that God would enable us to see and to know His great love for us. This is the greatest need that we have as, as Christians. And as, as much as I, I love theology and I believe it's necessary for, for Christians to grow, and Ephesians chapters 1 through 3 is full of theology, this knowing that Paul has in mind here is not head knowledge. It's a, a deep knowing of the heart. It's not fact-checking, it's not intellectualism. It's a knowing of the heart. And this is what I long to see in my own life, in the life of the students I get to, to serve, and in this church overall. So hopefully by now, you're in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21. It says this, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, 
he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Let me pray. Our Father in heaven, I thank you for who you are. And God, I confess that I I need you. I I need this sermon long before anybody else does. And Lord, I, I pray that we would know the love of Christ that surpasses all understanding. That Holy Spirit, even now you would prepare our hearts to receive what it is that you have for us in this wonderful, beautiful text. God, help us. Help us. We need you. It's in your son's beautiful name and for his glory we pray. Amen. There were two boys sitting at their desks in high school before school starts. So they're sitting at their desks and they're talking basketball. Talking back and forth about who's the greatest of all time. Which, if you follow sports, is like a very relevant conversation right now. So they're... They're going back and forth, they're debating, they're having their conversation, and while they're doing so, a third student walks in. He's brand new to the school, this is his first time in class, so he he kind of walks in, kind of scans, and he sits at the desk behind the two students as they're going back and forth debating, well, this person has more points, well, this person has won more more championships, well, this guy's a team player, he gets everybody involved, well, this guy's a one-man show, and they're going back and forth, and the student's just the third student's just just listening. He's just listening. And after a few minutes of this going on, the, the new student chimes in, speaking for the first time. And he says, I agree with I agree with the first one. I, I think the first one's better. I prefer the first one. And he says, he's really the nicer of the two. And he says he's he's funny. <laughs> he can cook really well. And the two boys just Stop and look at him. Like, wait, you've had the opportunity to to get to know this guy? Like, you've met him in real life? And the third student kind of looks at them very confused. And he says, met him? He's my father. Paul begins his prayer in a way that, that we don't often think much about. He says that he bows his knee before the Father, and we keep on reading like nothing spectacular was just said. We're so accustomed to hearing God addressed as Father that we don't think twice about it. Brothers and sisters, this is a stunning reality that anyone apart from the Lord Jesus Christ himself can call God Father, should blow us away. And as Christians, as followers of Christ, we get to. That we get to know Him as 
Father. And if we're, if we're going to grow in our walk with God, if we're going to mature as a Christian, and if we're going to experience Him more deeply, then we need to remember who He is as well as the immense privilege we have to not only get to know Him as, as God, but have a personal relationship with Him. Like he's the God of the universe. He's the creator of all, and He's the one who at this very moment is allowing our hearts to continue to beat. And yet, we can have a personal relationship with Him, not just as God, but as Father. And we can address him as father only because his son was crucified for our sin, buried, and raised from the dead. We're adopted into his family through faith in Christ. And I couldn't, I couldn't let this statement pass without our notes because far too often how we approach God, both in our praying and in our 3D groups and in our conversations, is we, we treat him like the two boys debating back and forth. Well, here's fact one, here's fact two, here's fact three, and on and on and on, rather than being the third boy that says, no, no, that's my father. Like, I know him. We cannot be casual with God. We can't, but we can and should be intimate with God because he is our father. And, and in fact, Paul gives us a glimpse. You want to see how, how amazing, how big God is? Look what he says. Verse 15, from whom, that's God, from the father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. Every single person, every angelic being that exists right now was created by God. And do you see, it doesn't say created, does it? It says named. They are named from him. Names throughout the Bible, have you ever noticed that? Names throughout the Bible really indicate the, the purpose that God has for that individual. Such that if if God wants to change your name, he changes your name. <laughs> like think of Abram, for instance. Abram means exalted father. God says, nope. Nope. So he changes his name. He changes his name to what? To Abraham, which means father of a multitude. He changes Sarai to Sarah. And he tells these two people, hey, when you're going to have a son, you're going to name him Isaac. Do you remember why? Because God tells them you're going to have a son, and they laugh. Like, God, we are too old for that. And they, they laugh to themselves. And God says, okay. When he's born, you're going to name him, you're going to name him Isaac, because Isaac means he laughs. Every time you call the name Isaac, Isaac, make your bed, take out the trash. Every time you say Isaac, you are going to remember who I am because I'm the one that gave him to you. Jacob means he cheats. Pretty accurate summary of Jacob's life for the first little bit, right? And he changes it 
to Israel, which means he strives with God. He wrestles with God. Names have significance. So when it says every family on, on earth and in heaven is named from God, it means he didn't just make you and let you go. He named you. He has a purpose for you. Like, you're not a number to God. He knows your name. And he knows the name of everyone. So when we come to pray, we need to remember who God is. That he's the one who created us, who named us, who is at this very moment sovereignly reigning over all. And rightly, I think this should lead us to a little bit of fear. That if you were approaching God, we need to approach Him correctly. It's not light. It's not casual. But I think it should also be an encouragement for us that when we pray, you're not praying just to the king overall. You're praying to your father who does have the power to answer your prayers. When we pray, God's not impotent. That should be an encouragement for us. And Paul, Paul continues, verse 16, says that according to the riches of his Glory, And I I love this because it's a reminder that our appeal for help to God, when when we come before God, our appeal is not based on us, it's based on Him. You see that? According to the riches of His glory. Paul doesn't say, God, I'm praying for the Ephesians because they're good folk. They're nice. They've been very kind to me. They're solid people, God. You really should, should help them out. Paul prays according to the riches of of God's glory. But what is is glory? Kind of succinctly put, glory is the shining forth of God's godness. So whenever God's godness shines forth, that's his glory. It could be his power on display. It could be his mercy and grace on display. It could be his goodness on display. According to the riches of his glory, this glory is infinite, which means when God answers our prayers, he doesn't lose any glory. A few years ago, I had the opportunity I'm very thankful for uh, to buy a truck. I'd been wanting a truck for a while, and this was, it was what, Memorial Day 2020, I think is when, I, when we went and got it. So we had a baby on the way. Um, before this, I was, I was driving a, a Chevy Cavalier. If you've ever seen a Chevy Cavalier like, with a baby on the way, I don't know if the back seat was big enough to put the diaper bag, let alone try to fit a car seat. So something had to change. And if we were going to get a car, I wanted a truck. So it all worked out. But 
Like you could probably fit the Cavalier in the in the bed of the of my truck. Not because the truck is big, just the Cavalier was that small. It's like a matchbox car. But there is one thing I miss about the Cavalier. It seems like looking back, the gas I put in that car seemed to last longer. Like, I I have to put more gas in the truck, and yet it doesn't seem to last any longer than it did in the Cavalier. I cannot figure out why. But God's glory is not like that. God's glory is not on a tank that slowly drains the more he spends on us. It's not a debit card that he swipes, and now he's X amount of glory less. It's not a battery that drains. In fact, if anything, his infinite glory actually grows as he pours out his glory on us. Why? Because we respond, if we respond rightly, by praising and glorifying God. Now again, we don't, we don't make God more of God, but we give him back glory. But our appeal is never based on who we are or what we think we deserve. So when you pray, your appeal should not ever be, God, I've been in this church for years. I've been a 3D group teacher. I've been a deacon. I have I've cleaned the toilets. I've done everything. You should really answer my prayers. Because if you got what you deserved from God, you wouldn't like it. Our appeal is based on who God is. And he continues. That according to the riches of his glory, verse 16, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit. Here it is, in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So this is, this is the prayer. This is what God is asking, or excuse me, this is what Paul is asking God. God, grant them strength. But it's not in a way that we, we typically think of strength. Like when we often pray for God to strengthen somebody, we think of an individual maybe who's been sick for a long time, they've gone through a, a terrible hardship, God, they're, they're struggling to get out of bed. Give them strength. Give them strength to get through the day. Continue on with this cancer diagnosis and on. And it's not wrong to pray in this way, but, it, but it's just not the type of strength Paul is praying for on behalf of the Ephesians. He wants the Ephesians to be strengthened with power. You see it through His Spirit, through the Holy Spirit, not physically, but in their inner being. God, give them strength through your spirit that they can experience you in their inner being. God, give them a closer relationship with you. And we can see that even in the second clause in verse 17. So that, here's the result, so that Christ may dwell in their hearts through faith. So, Father, would you grant that the Spirit would give them strength 
so that as the Spirit strengthens their inner being, Christ dwells with them in their heart. The, the parallel is there. God, if you would send your Spirit, the Spirit in their inner being would allow them to sense Christ dwelling in their hearts. And all this takes place, do you see it? Through faith. Faith is important here. Because none of this takes place without faith in Christ. None of it. You have no right to call God your Father apart from faith in Christ. None. It's not very popular, but it's biblical. Our appeal for God to answer our prayers according to the riches of His glory is through faith in Christ. And without it, we have no basis for that appeal. The Spirit being present in our inner being, our experiencing Christ in our heart, doesn't happen without faith. And again, I know in a room this size, there, there, are, there are plenty of you who are not genuinely followers of Christ. Like you've never believed in Christ. You've never rested your eternity on His sinless life, His substitutionary death, His resurrection. This might be your first time here, or you might come here often, but you don't trust Christ. You don't treasure Christ. And unfortunately... This doesn't apply to you. Our longing to be with Christ, to know God, is not yours. But it can be. It can be if you would put your faith in Christ. And after the service is over, we would love to have a conversation. Nothing would excite us more than to be able to talk to you about how you can put your faith in Christ. But for the believer, what, what Paul wants is for them to experience Christ. And there's, there's no confusion here. Because the Holy Spirit, if you remember in John 14, John 16, Jesus says, I'm sending the Spirit, and what the Spirit is going to do is point to me. He's going he's to teach you what I've told him to say. He's going to glorify me. Such that when Paul says, hey, give them the Holy Spirit in their inner being, what's the Holy Spirit going to do? Going to convey to them Christ in their hearts. Paul wants every Christian, every Christian, to know Christ in a deep and intimate way. For you personally, you're not banking on your parents' relationship with Christ, your wife, your husband's relationship with Christ. No, your own experience of Christ. And it's not head knowledge strengthening in their inner being so that Christ would dwell in their hearts. This isn't head knowledge. It's heart experience. And that's what Paul's praying for for these Ephesians. Says that you being rooted and grounded in love, that's verse 17. We're to be rooted and grounded in love. Love is to be the root, it's to be the grounding. Like a like a tree has a root system that keeps it solid, gives it life. That's to be love. 
And like a building is built on a foundation, a solid foundation. That foundation is to be love. But what we're going to see is this love that is our root, that is our foundation, is not our love for Jesus because that can fluctuate. This love is Christ's love for us. Look back at the text. It says that you, being rooted and grounded in love, 18, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. He can praise for strength. We need strength. For what, for what purpose? Strength to comprehend with all the saints. What is the, the breadth and length and height and, and depth? And I, I'm left with the question, like, what, what is he talking about here? There's no object to this, which leads me to believe that what the, the continuation is what he's talking about. The breadth, the length, the height and depth of what? The love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. So, so what is the secret to you as an individual growing in your love for Jesus, your commitment to him? What's, what's the secret? We're always looking for a secret. What's the secret to our actually treasuring Jesus in our lives? Paul says, dwell on the love of Christ. Dwell on the love of Christ. Do you want to fall more in love with Jesus? Beg God to give you strength to know the love of Christ. Not, not, not head knowledge here, not intellectualism, not learning more facts so you can check somebody in your debate. Think long and hard about the love of Jesus. A love that, that left the glory of heaven. He left the glory of heaven. He, he gave it up, the glory he rightly deserved, and he gave it up to be born in a manger. Not in a palace, in a barn, in a manger. A, a love that endured years of obedience to the Father, fulfilling every command, listen, that you and I don't obey. A love that endured hardships, rejection, pain, suffering, hunger, abandonment, and yet joyfully continued on. A love that stood at a trial, and was condemned as a criminal when he did nothing wrong. A love that led him to get beat and, and scourged and have to carry the cross to Golgotha. A love that laid him down so that he could have nails pierced through his wrists and his feet and, and hung up to die. A love that had the the onlookers scorning him, making fun of him, spitting on him, not having any idea of what's going on. A love 
that asks for the forgiveness of those who are doing that crime. A love that gives up his spirit to the Father. A love that has his side pierced so blood and water flow out. A love that lays in a tomb that doesn't even belong to him. A love that conquers death and steps out of that tomb never to die again. A love that that calls and, and shepherds his people. A love that doesn't cast us out when we start to struggle, but brings us in closer. A love that endures to the end. A love that, that will bring his children home. A love that surpasses all understanding. Think on this love, church, and have your heart melted. As 1 John 4.10 says, John says, In this is love, not that we've loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be a propitiation for our sins. You understand what love is? It's not, okay, I have this feeling, so I'm going to put that back on God. It's God's love towards us. We didn't earn it, we didn't work for it, we didn't deserve it, Romans 5, 8. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still what? Sinners, rebels, traitors. Christ died for us. Brothers and sisters, this is the love that we need to think on. And it surpasses our understanding. Which means we will never exhaust this love. And that's why Paul prays as he does, right? The breadth, the length, the height, and the depth. He uses these spatial terms to to display to the best of his ability the infinite love of Jesus for us. Nothing is wider, nothing is longer, nothing is higher, nothing is deeper. And we will spend all eternity with Christ dwelling on and enjoying the love of Jesus and we will never exhaust it. This is good news this is good news and it's good news that that some of you desperately need to remember now you you come into this room with problems that no one else knows about now you're battling an addiction that you've never told a soul you and your wife are are fighting screaming you and your kids aren't on the best terms right now You have a doctor's appointment this week and you're scared to death. You come in with questions like, I don't even even know if God exists. A thousand other scenarios we could mention. And what you desperately need is for God to open your eyes to see the love of Christ. What you need and often you don't even know you need it is the love of Christ of Jesus, chiefly displayed on the cross and in the empty tomb. Your your antidote for anxiety, for depression, that can be absolutely crippling, might be to spend some time dwelling on the love of Christ. So that if everything else is out of control in your life, that anxiety just, it, it paralyzes you, 
you think on the love of Christ and understand that Christ who loves you in that way is in control. That'll bring things back to a proper perspective. Wherever you are as a Christian, we need to know the immeasurable love of Jesus Christ. And, and what I want us to see, though, is this love was never meant to be, be hoarded up by lone Christians. Do you see that? You may have strength to comprehend with all the saints. We are to be together in the church, dwelling on the love of Christ. Praising God for his, his great love. We are to do this together. You're never meant to be alone. So that when you put your faith in Christ, you join a company of saints who have gone before you. And you are a part of that group. And you are meant to join a community around you. A community that's going to that's gonna help you, like hopefully North Roanoke Baptist Church. Then we can help you comprehend the love of Christ. And you can help us comprehend the love of Christ. We're to do this together. He continues, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Because the goal is not just head knowledge. or The goal is not just a, a one-time experience where I, I felt God in that way, that, that one time way back. It's being filled with the fullness of God. That's what Paul longs for the Ephesians. This is not their becoming God. But it's that every aspect of their lives, they're, they're filled up with God. In their conversations at home, God overflows out. In their, in their work, how they handle their job, it's the fullness of God. They're parenting, they're going to school, it's the fullness of God. It's walking with God, living in the power of God, out of love for God, for the glory of God, based on God's love for us. Christians, living like Christ is, is the goal. That God might be praised, others brought in. It's so loving God, being full of the love of God, that we're filled with God. And Paul finishes this prayer with a final benediction. And I, I, I think this is a very appropriate way to end our Treasure Jesus initiative. And I think it's an appropriate reminder for our own desire to experience the love of Christ in a deeper way. You see it? Verse 20, 20 and 21. It says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Brothers and sisters, God is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think. Infinitely more than we ask or think. So, so, so what do you think? Start, start dreaming. What do you think God could do in your life or in this church if we prayed in this way? If our desire is to know the love of Christ to experience Christ, to be filled with all the fullness of God. What do you think God would do in Roanoke if we started praying this way? I'm not 
concerned about a building. What would God do in this, this city if we as a people were committed to setting, like our, our path is to know the love of Christ and be filled with the fullness of God? Parents, what, what would God do in your student's life is if this was your prayer for them? Like if the concern wasn't grades or sports, but it was to know the love of Christ. The power to accomplish all this, you see it is His. It's His power. It's not in our ability. It's according to His power that He's working in us. In us. In us, through us, that He might receive glory in the church Overall, in this church and in Christ Jesus, both now and forevermore. And so we add our, our amen to the saints who have come before us. And we owe a generation yet to come, who have yet to hear, yet to believe, maybe even yet to be born, to be faithful and to pursue Christ in such a way that they can see it and they can pursue Christ the same. To God alone belongs the glory. To us belongs the joy of knowing and loving, so loving a God and Savior, whom we get to know as Father, Savior. And so I want to finish this, this sermon by praying this text over the church which is going to act as my, my closing prayer. So worship uh, team, you can go ahead and make your way. So let's pray. Let's pray. For this reason, God, we bow not our knees at this moment, but our hearts before you, Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named that according to the riches of your glory, you may grant to us to be strengthened with power through your Spirit in our inner being, so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith, that, that we, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that we might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him, to you, God, belong glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever Amen. Thank you for listening to the North Roanoke podcast. You can connect with us at northroanoke.org or download our app in your device's app store. Just search for North Roanoke. We hope to meet you soon.